social ladies. All the 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 social ladies. Now put your phones up. Welcome to All the Social Ladies with CEO of Likeable Media, Carrie Kerpin. Because if you're social, then you really should be tweeting us. If you're social, then you really could be leading us. You can't let what people say it's so mysterious. Because you're social, you're a leader and you're serious. Now, Carrie Kerpin. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of All the Social Ladies. I'm Carrie Kirpin, CEO of Likeable Media, and today I am psyched to be here with Katie Cowie. Katie is the social media supervisor at Resolution Media, based out of Charlotte, North Carolina. In that role, Katie provides social media strategies for Lowe's Home Improvement and leads a team who manages all paid social media for Lowe's. Prior to her role there, Katie was the engagement marketing manager for Gazelle, a late-stage consumer startup based out of Boston, Mass., where she managed social media, emerging platforms, events, and launched Gazelle's content marketing program and blog. Katie grew up in Massachusetts and attended Bentley University in Waltham, Mass., and recently moved to North Carolina. And, fun fact, in her spare time, she competes in equestrian sports. I do. Very exciting. Welcome, Katie. Thanks for having me, we're, Carrie. We're so excited to have you here today. And, you know, I met you when you were at Gazelle, mm-hmm. but I would love for you to tell our listeners a little bit of your story about how you got into social media and just kind of the start of your career and how you landed where you are today. Sure. So I studied marketing in college, um, and I really loved it. And I think the e-marketing class was probably my favorite class, and that's what kind of really turned me on to it. Uh, I also had a bunch of internships in college where I was actually running marketing programs, uh, email marketing, print marketing for a B2B company. Mm -hmm. Uh, I knew I loved marketing. Uh, I also knew I didn't want to stay in the B2B market. I really enjoyed the consumer marketing side of things. And then when I graduated college, I really had no idea what I wanted to do. So I took six months off or actually a year off to ride horses professionally. Wow. And um, six months into it, my brain was going crazy because I wasn't using it enough. Mm -hmm. Um, And I stumbled across Gazelle in a Cosmopolitan magazine. And ended up um, getting a job there, uh, running their social and just a junior marketing associate. And I really fell in love with the digital side of things um, because it's always changing. Um, there's always something to learn, and I love to learn and learn and discover new things and and really help speak to the to the consumer as well. Um, so that's what really led me into that digital side of things. Um, I've done a whole bunch of different things across all of marketing, from email marketing to um, we help launch gazelle on tv and all sorts of stuff but the the digital social side was definitely the most interesting for me and that's where i've decided to focus my career so it sounds like you had and have two very clear passions right when you Mm -hmm. talked about some of the equestrian stuff and the year off to ride horses how did you balance like knowing which side to pick was it that you you started with riding horses professionally and then you just knew you needed more yeah, so um, my brain wasn't being challenged, mm-hmm. and uh, like I said, I always like to be learning, uh, mm-hmm. so I really wanted to get back into the business world. And the other thing um, with with doing the writing thing for a while was that um, my passion was now my job, um, and I wasn't exercising uh, my head enough as well. So this way, I'm able to balance both. I can ride for fun on the side, but pursue um, the marketing piece of things and, and keep working as well. I actually really love that insight so much because sometimes, you know, you hear all this about your passion should be your job or go follow your passion, et cetera. But sometimes 
your passion is meant to be just that, which is a passion that you pursue, mm-hmm. you know, in your spare time and your free time. And yeah. I, and I mean, digital is another passion. Exactly. Of mine, so I am pursuing two of them just it, in two different ways. Exactly. I absolutely love that. How did you know? Did you know early on that you wanted to be in marketing? Did you know that like pre- yeah, so um, I've I've always been interested in marketing. Um, my dad is a, a venture capitalist, so he was always involved with early stage companies, and I interned for a couple of them when I was fourteen. Um, I started super young; might not even have been legal. I'm not sure. <laughs> um, but uh, my dad really instilled in us that you know, if he's like, you know, I want you to pursue your writing, and I'll help support you there, but you have to work for it. Um, so I've been working forever, and when I started interning for some of those companies, I was always in the marketing department, and it could have been sales support that I was doing. Um, I was supporting some of the sales team and learning all things about Salesforce when it was first coming out, which was exciting for me. It's really exciting. Um, and then email marketing, uh, the company was like, what happens if we want to email our customers? And it was right when email marketing was starting to become a much bigger piece of a marketing program. And then I was also um, running events. I think at the age of uh, 16, I created my first event um, from all the way from ideation to execution for a like C-level people. And was, was it was it hard for you at that young age to have a level of confidence to get that done? How did you do that at 16, walk in there and just do it? Um, I, was it something that you were born with, or I don't know. I I I didn't never had a problem with that. The what I've had a bigger time overcoming is people thinking that just because um, my dad was very involved in the VC uh... world that um, I was somehow got this job out as a favor. When in fact I was really out there earning them. He never gave us any favor, favors for any of that kind of stuff. So wow, really interesting. And so when you worked, so you've had a long history. Then even even though you're relatively young, mm-hmm. you've had a pretty long history with startups. Yes. So tell me about what what advice would you give for somebody who's going to work at a startup? It's a very different animal working yeah. at a startup. Um, one of the things that I love about startups um, and can be really challenging for some people is that you don't get a lot of direction. So you really have to go in and, and try new things, um, really jump all the way in. And you really have to understand the business all the way back to, you know, how the customer sees the product. Whatever yep. the product is, you have to be able to see the whole life cycle. Um, and only then can you really inform. Even if you're working in one piece of the of the company, you have to understand the whole thing. And you really have to be a self-starter, I think, in a startup, which is something um, that a lot of people coming out of college have a hard time doing is saying, oh, you really are giving me control of this company and this line item or in your budget and to be able to go in and have the assertiveness to say, I am going to control this. I am going to make decisions. It can be a challenge for some people, um, but that's really important piece of startup world. And the willingness and ability to take on that responsibility, yes. right? You get so much more responsibility, I think, in a startup. You do, yeah. And you, you can learn a lot very quickly in a startup. Mm. Um, I would advise anyone to go work for one. There, It can be a lot of fun, a lot of work, but a lot of fun. Me too. And so... Tell me about you decided that when so you were at Gazelle's and you were having mm-hmm. a great time, you decided you wanted to move to North Carolina. Yeah, um, my boyfriend and I uh, were just kind of like a little over Boston at that point. Okay. Um, it's expensive city. Yep. Uh, it's cold, especially after last <laughs> winter, <laughs> which was brutal. So we just wanted to get out and try something new. So we ended up pretty much throwing a, pin, a guided pin on the map between two different cities, and we ended up in Charlotte. Um, I actually preferred to go to Austin, but my bo- there's no professional sports teams in Austin, oh. and that was really important to John. So oh, we compromised and ended up in Charlotte, which is, I now looking back, I love everything about it. So Phenomenal. Mm-hmm. And so once you moved down, you ended up 
switching careers, right? Switching not careers, but a job. Yes. I was recruited to work for uh, Resolution Media, um, which is a digital agency based. um, They're actually a global agency, Mm -hmm. um, but there is uh, a team in Charlotte that does digital for um, Dick's Sporting Goods and for Lowe's Home Improvement, and I work uh, exclusively on Lowe's Home Improvement. So when working on a brand like Lowe's, Lowe's is very well known for how well they do social. So it must be a very, very exciting thing. That must have been part of what attracted you to the job, too. Yeah, I actually, um, and we were joking about this earlier, um, I actually really didn't want to go to an agency. Yeah. Um, But when I was interviewing for the job, um, they actually brought me up to the client, and I was able to meet with um, Brad Walters, who is the uh, head of social there, and he is brilliant. Um, and he's done an amazing job building that social program, and the content that they create is unbelievable. So it really sold me into to taking the job, and I really love it. So That's fabulous. And so tell me a little bit about the differences between being at a brand or a startup uh, and then being at an agency. What are some of the differences that you see? At an agency, I think we're putting out a lot of fires mm-hmm. um, versus it's a little more even flow um, when you're working in-house. I actually... I didn't think I was going to like it, but I actually enjoy it. I yeah. I work really well um, with the the run and execute, run, execute, run, execute. So um, it's actually been more enjoyable than I expected it to be. I, I like the agency side. I would actually compare the agency side to the startup side. Like it's yes. not the same as working at a larger consumer brand, but yep. it is quite similar um, to that startup feel of like, it okay, is. let's fix this. Let's do this. Let's get it done. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very a, interesting. It is. And it's a... Very good team that we're working with, too, there. So that also helps. So how do you balance? So you're the agency for Lowe's, Mm -hmm. and they obviously have built out this tremendous, I assume, content team there internally, correct? They must have several employees who work in social? Yes. I I work with six people regularly. Six people regularly. Okay. So how does the agency add value and really give Lowe's a lot of value from social? So we um, execute on all of the paid social pieces of it. Yeah. Um, so obviously, the from an execution standpoint, being able to amplify the content that they're putting out is a huge piece of it. Absolutely. Um, and finding new ways to do that, new creative ways to do that um, efficiently is, I think, where we add the most value. But what else we've been able to do, um, especially with Facebook and Twitter, is to take a look at who these people are, and that can help inform content strategy. So, you know, what's important to these people? What are they talking about? What are they engaging with when we do post it? And that helps to inform what content's coming in the pipeline. So it sounds like it's a lot around listening and reporting, helping gain key insights yes. to help develop great content, and then helping amplify that content. Yes. Fabulous. So tell me a little bit about how you approach a paid media strategy in social. Obviously, it's very different from how you would do a paid media buy anywhere else in the world other than social media. Uh, So tell me a little bit about how you approach that. So we take a look at uh, what the content is, and then we develop unique targeting segments, basically, Mm -hmm. um, where we're looking at who is the people who are most likely to engage with this content. And Mm -hmm. a lot of it is just kind of what we think might mm-hmm. be the case based mm-hmm. on historic knowledge and audience insights that we have from our, you know, our CRM and our business intelligence side of things. Um, and then we test. And we test. We're constantly running tests of segments against um, against each other to understand who these audiences are that are going to be engaging with this content um, so that we're really focusing on putting the right message in front of the right consumer um, instead of just putting a message out there and seeing what happens. And so, Katie, as you have watched 
Facebook, I mean, you've been in social for a while. So you were around when Facebook was basically purely organic mm-hmm. and then shifted to more of an ad-based platform. Yeah, listen, now yeah. it's like, well, like they say 1% organic. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, even if you influence <laughs> it, you're influencing it such a, such a minor amount. Yeah. Um, so do you think that all the networks will go in that sort of direction and be more of a pay-to-play? Do you think that the concept of that organic reach has really shifted? Are we past that? Well, I think all of these platforms are going to have to figure out how to make money at mm-hmm. some point. So mm-hmm. I do think that a lot of it is going to move in that direction. And the way that you can be successful is not by putting a message out there, but by creating really, really good content. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's where brands are going to be have to be able to differentiate themselves is to be able to create really good content. Exactly. And do you think um, if you're looking at Facebook and Twitter's ad platforms, Mm -hmm. you were looking at both of them, how do they differ and is one better than the other? I don't know if I would say one is better than – they're for very different – This is purely, by the way, your own opinion, (laughs) not expressed of anywhere else. But Um, They're very different. So Twitter has done a really good job at capitalizing on the real-time thing. So, you know, for example, their TV ad targeting is a really great thing to do um, where you can serve an ad to someone who is likely to have seen your ad is really cool and it can extend – your, your big, oftentimes in big companies, TV is the biggest line item in terms of advertising. Mm-hmm. Um, and to be able to extend that message and to make consumers engage with you and not just passively watch is a really cool thing about Twitter. And then Facebook, uh, I mean, it's just a very efficient way to spend media dollars in social. Yeah. Um, it's really pretty inexpensive if you're doing it right and you have the right content. Um, I've noticed recently that video is becoming huge on Everything. Facebook. Yeah. So I'm really interested to see how that plays out. That's exciting. And and do you see, have you played around with Instagram, using ads on Instagram for Lowe's or any of that stuff um, Not since I've been at the company, but uh, they have played around with Instagram. Um, they've also done some things on Tumblr. Um, and then, you know, we're always talking to Pinterest as they're coming out of beta with their ad. ad. Yes, very exciting. Yeah. I think that's going to be really exciting, Pinterest. Yeah, um, I'm. Their ad, the ad platform. I think they have a lot of stuff to figure out there, but they all do, don't they? Yeah. If you think about it, yeah. like if you look at all the ad platforms, you're like, oh, did you see the Snapchat ad today? I, don't I know did. Oh, the Ouija this yes. weekend, their yes. first ad. Yeah. yeah, their first ad ever. We're gonna see how that young community responds to those ads. I don't know. I know. I haven't. I haven't read enough to see if how the feedback was initially, but yeah, I haven't seen yet either. I don't even know that they know. Yet on the feedback. They might not you know, realize right? that it wasn't it was just yeah. today. Yeah. So it's very, very interesting overall. So tell me um, a little bit about the metrics that you use to measure success on your platforms. How do you know if a campaign has worked or not worked? Depends on the campaign. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're running a bunch of different things on a regular basis. So, you know, if engagement's important, we're looking at an engagement rate um, on content. Um, and the engagement rate is what really is informing our content strategy going forward. Mm-hmm. So, like, this is what consumers are responding to the most, or this specific group of consumers, rather. So, you know, if we want to target men, we know video works really well to target men. So knowing what ad type is going to be served to the best person uh, is based on engagement rate. But then we're also monitoring things like cost per engagement, pretty much ties right in line with that. And what's the most efficient way to reach these people? And then, you know, all the way back down to ad sales when we're, you know, analyzing things in Facebook exchange and, and leveraging some custom audiences and things like that. So fabulous. Mm-hmm. Now, I asked you before about what advice you'd give to somebody who was working in a startup. What about somebody who is going to work at an agency? Be prepared to work quickly, I think, is the biggest thing is you really have to because you're on 
the client's time. Yep. And sometimes their deadline, you know, they didn't know they had a deadline coming up, but the deadline may be in a couple of hours. And you have to be able to pull reports and gather insights very quickly, even if it's not a concrete idea. You have to be able to, to talk to anything very quickly. So um, being able to execute quickly and, and kind of infer things. Um, is important going into agency world. And had you, when you worked on the brand side or on Mm -hmm. the startup side, had you worked with agencies? Yes, I had. And so do you find that the difference and and being the client versus being the agency, are there some things that like opened your eyes around that? It definitely did, yeah. Don't you want to wish you could go back and give the agencies a little bit of a hug hug right now? I know, I know, I know. It's hard. I have Lowe's is the most amazing client to work with. They are unbelievable um, and actually... They're just a lot of fun to work with, and they are very good at trying not to do that. But sometimes it's not the team that you're working with who's asking the question. It's coming from elsewhere, and they don't know, and you still have to get the answer ready for them. So, But, yeah, (laughs) I love my Lowe's team. They're amazing. Uh, That's awesome. Yeah, a lot of times it's right because you have one main client, right? Yeah, so sometimes you can't, you know, it depends on what client you get. Yes. But um, so you're very fortunate. I am very fortunate, and I've been told I'm very fortunate. But it's good because (laughs) then, you know, it gave you such a good entree into the agency world. It did. It gave gave me a very good impression to coming into it and – and, you know, it was a little less scary coming in um, and working with such smart people and people who are who understand where you're coming from. They really look at it as an expansion of their team versus, you know, you're working for me. And so tell me a little bit when you're working with Lowe's, what what their overarching strategy in social is. Is it like you said about creating great content and to connect with their consumer? What Why are they investing so much in social and really weren't using it as such a top priority for them. So I think connecting with the consumer is the biggest thing um, to drive inspiration. Um, home improvement is such a fun oh, so much fun. thing to work in. But really driving consumers to be inspired about what that could be and then being able to be there to be the company that can help make it happen. Um, and they use content and social as a way to, to do that, to inspire and kind of generate you know, a consumer interest at the top end of the funnel if you're looking at a marketing funnel. And tell me a little bit about your social usage yourself. Are you more apt or less apt to use social because you work in it? Do you think it affects your social behavior? I do. I think I work, I use it a lot less mm-hmm. um, because by the time I get home, I'm like, oh, man, I've seen so many tweets today. Yep. <laughs> I yep. really don't want to look at it anymore. Me too. Me too. Um, but, I mean, that said, I, I am still active in both platforms. I think Twitter is really great for an information source, especially mm-hmm. for someone who's so strapped for time all the time. It's a really good way to see, you know, hey, what's going on outside my little social bubble? <laughs> and then Facebook is really great for connecting with friends, um, especially as I've moved away from where my entire family lives. Um, it's been uh, really good to yeah. to be able to keep up with everyone. Yeah. There. Is that hard? Is it hard to be away? It is hard. It's less hard than I thought it was going to oh, be. Oh, good. Um, which is great. Um, my parents are retired, so they're now off exploring everything. So okay. I, I kind of left at a good time. I think if I had left when they were still very much in Boston, it would right. have been a very different story. So they can come visit you then. Yes, they I can. love it. Mm-hmm. And are you now that you're moved? I assume you're learning all of these fabulous home improvement things for your home in Charlotte. I have a book <laughs> already of all these projects, and so I'm a I'm a like a little bit of a nerd. So I've actually drawn up blueprints for like so we have a huge master closet in my okay. new house. It's like it's bigger than this room. Fabulous, it's unbelievable blueprints for a custom closet that I'm going to build myself. And, and did you get that all from Lowe's social content? I got a lot of it from <laughs> Lowe's social content. And then my dad, who is a huge home improvement guy, he's Lowe's number one customer Aww. in Taunton, Massachusetts, which is probably their smallest store. 
<laughs> I love it. Yeah. I love it. And what would you say, you know, you have this job that just sounds fabulous. You got a great client. Mm-hmm. You're at an agency. You've moved to a place you love. Um, you're working at the forefront, which is, you know, really looking at how paid media intersects with content. What would you say is the biggest challenge that you've faced in your career thus far in social? I think... I mean, when when all the organic reach from a social perspective started to get depressed a lot, you really had to shift how you were thinking about how social helped support all of your marketing things. And it really is now another item on that you have to budget for. And you do. a lot of companies are not really ready to be doing that yet um, because a lot of people don't really understand what the what the importance of social is and how important it is to the bottom line. And Lowe's gets it. And they do an amazing job executing against it. And, you know, it helped make the decision to move there really easily. But that is probably the the thing that I've noticed the most is that a lot of companies are not quite ready to, to increase commit. their spend. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think ultimately there are people who still get very stuck in their old way or they don't think it's permanent or they think it's just Facebook that's doing this. Because you can still have some kind of organic presence on yeah. Twitter, and like it, a one-to-one. Yeah. But you need the amplification. Yeah. I think it's key. And I think you're right that some brands are really stuck at mm-hmm. um, marketing like it's three years ago. And yep. it's not. And <laughs> well, it's not. I know. Even like six months ago. <laughs> even six months ago. Even yeah. six months ago. And I think it – I ultimately think that the Facebook change helped us be better at social. because Because we had to adjust and learn and yeah. learn how. Yeah. Because you knew that like nothing was ever certain. There's no free lunch. Absolutely. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. There is no free lunch. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's uh, that's actually going to be your quote on your special meme we create for you to promote no the podcast. Free lunch. There's no free lunch. <laughs> Katie says, no free lunch for you. I love it. Okay, so there's somebody and they're in college and they want to be a future you. They're mm-hmm. listening to this podcast and they're thinking, I want to be just like her. I want to be able to get a career like that. What steps would you recommend they take? Um, I think uh, a lot of people think they're going to go into marketing and it's all about, you know, creating beautiful ads, which is is a huge important piece of it. Um, and especially a lot of women shy away from taking data classes. Yes. And it is so important. And I think my number one piece of advice that I give to, to young women who I talk to now through the writing world, I have a ton of young ladies who are just going into college. And I'm like, take your math classes and enjoy them and learn to love math because no matter what you go into, whether it's in business or something else, you're going to have to know how to do something. And I think historically, a lot of people have shied away from that, but it's it all comes down to what you're spending. <laughs> that is a great, great, great piece of advice. I think yeah. that's one that hopefully will stick with some of our young listeners because mm-hmm. it's, it's a shame when people fear math so much. Yeah, and it is. And at the end of the day. It's just math. You, math, right. They're just numbers. Yeah. You know what? My third grade teacher, I'll never forget, Mrs. Mattis told me, she said, write it with a pencil. And then the worst thing that happens with the number, you erase it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, of course, that doesn't work in business, but for third grade, great concept. Yeah. Amazing. Also, it sounds like taking internships helped you a lot, Internships right? helped a lot. Yep. Um, I think, you know, even if it doesn't help you get a job, it helps you learn how to navigate the business world um, and to really build business relationships, which can be so different than what you're building elsewhere in your life. Being able to walk into a room and talk to a C-level executive and not get all nervous about it is hugely important, too. And, you know, doing internships, especially at startups, you know, you know, um, will really help you gain the ability to do that. Absolutely. Well, Katie, thank you so much for coming on the show today. We learned a lot, and it was great to have you here. Thanks for having me. You've been listening to All the Social Ladies with Carrie Kerfin, CEO of Likeable Media. You can follow Carrie on Twitter, at Carrie Kerfin. To get current social media insights and great tips, 
Sign up for Carrie's weekly newsletter by emailing newsletter at likeable.com.